Welcome in, everyone, to episode four of the Hopeless Sports Magnet podcast. I'm Taylor, as always, joined by my co-host, Chase. There's a lot to talk about in Georgia sports in general over the past few months. Uh, today, we're going to talk about all the big news for the Georgia football program, as well as the recent events going on uh, within the Atlanta Hawks organization. Uh, before we get started... I want to tell everyone to add us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram at uh, Hopeless Sports Mantic, and to also that you can listen to us on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Anchor, which is where we record this podcast. And uh, to get started, uh, the big news, I think out of all of it, is definitely going to be the signing of Jamie Newman. And Chase, what are your thoughts on that move? I'm, I'm so excited about this move. I think this is exactly what Georgia has needed. And, you know, appreciate what Jake Fromm did for three years at Georgia. But at the end of the day, Jamie Newman is going to pose more of a threat. He is uh, a dual threat guy that, you know, can hurt you with your feet, hurt, hurt you with his feet. And at the same time, he can you throwing the ball down the field and he has a beautiful deep ball and really over the middle which is something that Jake Fromm really struggled with consistently was throwing the ball over the middle and I think that yeah I, I just think that you know it, it's only going to help the offense it's only going to help the run game specifically you know we might see a little bit more with with um, passing the football but I think that's only going to help the, the run game because it's it's going to create more of a balance. Georgia has always been, we're going to run the ball, we're going to average six yards a carry, seven yards a carry, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't change. That would change, really. Yeah, I definitely think that the offense is going to take the next step coming into this season uh stat wise newman uh this is his 2019 stats from the season that wake forest where he uh did miss a game uh due to a left shoulder injury he had 26 touchdowns with just 11 interceptions uh, with a 145 passer rating and this is on uh 2868 passing yards and 574 rushing yards with six touchdowns and a lot of those touchdowns coming in goal line situations which i love because like you said i think it's just gonna take a lot of pressure off of the backs and make the running game be even more effective than it already is uh he did all of uh, this at Wake Forest with a very weak offensive line in front of him as well. They were uh, 120th in opportunity rate, which basically that measures is the offensive line doing its job or not. And obviously by that ranking, they didn't do their job very much. But to go along with that, they were only 28th in sack rate in the nation. So to me, that shows that Newman is using his moment mobility in the right ways and he's getting the ball out quickly to prevent uh, huge losses uh, for the offense and he's got uh, like you said he's got a great release a great deep ball and he's got really good footwork as well and when he's running the ball he's got he's not Lamar Jackson but he's definitely has a great burst out of uh, taking the snap out of a QB power or something like that running the option it's just 
it's just another element to a Georgia offense. And it's going to really, I think, help the offense take the next step coming into this next season. Yeah, and to your point, he, he, you know, when Georgia would try and run like a read option or something last year, that strong side defensive end, you know, he either he either charges or he he stays home and waits for the quarterback to in case he takes off. But with Jake Fromm, you know, he is so slow on his feet that 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 defensive end is just charging. And a lot you saw it a lot last year. I mean, there were so many losses on the play where you can tell that that was about to happen. And with Jamie Newman, you know, with him being quick on his feet, he, he's not, like you said, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be like a Michael Vig, but he, he can definitely hurt you with, with, the, with his feet. And you're going to see a lot more big runs. I feel like as a result of that strong side defensive end staying home and, you know, it's only going to, it's only going to help the run game, which is only going to help the pass game too, because it's going to keep defenses on their toes. Yeah, I would. I I would not want to be a defensive end playing Georgia coming into this season. Uh, it's just every. This is checking off the biggest item on the to do list for Georgia. I think coming into this year, I I feel like Chase is in the same boat as me. I've wanted a dual threat quarterback for the last five years. Cause I think like you said, it just adds another element to an offense. It takes pressure off the backs and that's really what Georgia needed with the offensive line and the running game that they've had over the past few years is they need a dual threat guy with a great deep ball just because I mean, it's, it's obvious strategy. You're going to run the ball, set up the play action, and then you hit him with a deep shot down the middle of the field, especially. And everything that, it seems like everything that Fromm was struggling with over this past season is a strength for Newman. And I think that just helps, it helps out the team in all sorts of ways, especially with uh, the receivers coming back. That's, that's another big thing I think is all the, a, a lot of the key receivers, excluding, I guess, Lawrence Cager, they're all coming back. They're all going to be, uh, they're all still going to be factors in the offense along with a lot of the guys coming in in this uh, top recruiting class in the country as of uh, today where we record. It's uh, February 1st, uh, Saturday. So I think that's just, I mean, I'm, I'm smiling here talking about it. This is just, it's checking off the to-do list all the way down. Everything's just, it just seems like the offense is going to really take the next step coming into the season. Yeah, I, I think I think that uh, early prediction here, and I don't think it's super bold. I think George Pickens could be the first uh, thousand yard receiver at Georgia since who was it? Was it AJ Green? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that you know um, I'm going to be really interested. I think it's going to be a young receiving core. It's going to be Pickens, and then you know whenever Dominic Blaylock will be ready. I don't know if he'll be ready you know, right away, especially to get starter, starter play time. You know, I don't want to say minutes because it's not basketball, but um, yeah. And then with the addition of Trey McKitty and, you know, I'm really, Darnell Washington is probably the most excited, exciting player in my opinion in this coming up recruiting class. And I'm really excited to see what these young receivers have. I think that, I think, 
it's it's definitely going to be a fun offense to watch. You know, a lot of question marks, a lot of guys gone, especially on the offensive line with obviously the Caden Mays saga, along with Andrew Thomas, Solomon Kinley, Isaiah Wilson are gone. But you know, Georgia's recruited there so well. They're they're so deep there that I don't I don't even know if they'll miss a beat right there. But yeah, you know the guys that. The guys that are gone from receiver, Tyler Simmons, you know, you and I have both had our issues with Tyler Simmons, and then don't even get me started with Matt Lanters. But, you know, they're, they know what their deficiencies were last year, and they're doing everything that they can to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, with, um, with LSU losing 14 starters on both, on, uh, both sides of the ball and then with the departure of Tua to the NFL along with all the great receivers at Bama I think this is Kobe's seeing an opportunity here he's seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and he's just chasing after it with everything he has I mean also bringing in Todd Monken to be the new offensive coordinator I was honestly surprised by the move I thought they would be stubborn as Georgia usually is and stick with uh, James Coley as the offensive coordinator, but he departed and left for Texas A&M and Todd Monken came in. Uh, Chase actually knows uh, a good bit about Todd Monken b- due to his time as the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, Chase, can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, his time in Tampa Bay? Yeah. 2018 specifically was to me, a really interesting year. He was there from, I want to say he was there for three three years, and he was the receivers coach in his first year. He coached Mike Evans in all three years that he was there. Mike Evans had 1,000-yard seasons. And, you know, it's, it's expect a lot of passing, obviously. Expect, you know, I, I really don't know how much, I, I really didn't know how much he expected to run or he's expected to run the football because Tampa is very one dimensional. They don't have the greatest offensive line. They don't have the greatest running backs in the world. So I don't know if that was mainly his system or if that was the fact that Tampa just couldn't run the football. And, but at the same time, when he was in Cleveland this year, Nick Chubb was a running rushing champ or would have been the rushing champion if not for Derrick Henry catching fire at the end of the year. But, you know, he, I'm really excited about this. I, I, I was also shocked like you. I thought that James Coley was going to stay another year. I I felt like, I felt like he was going to be given another chance. He really, after the, after, I guess it was the Kentucky game from the Florida game on, I felt like play calling improved. I felt like, um, it was really just about execution. I thought he drew up some really good plays, and I thought that Kirby would try to try to make some or try to just keep rolling with it. And you know, I let me ask you how how much do you think the change on offense has to do with Jake Fromm leaving? Uh, I think it's a large chunk of it. I'd say probably sixty five percent of it, if I want to be that specific. Um, he just had, we had a lot of missed opportunities. I think that's, if you're going to describe 
the Georgia offense in the 2019 season, it's going to have to be missed opportunities with, I think, uh, just missing wide open receivers. Uh, granted, some of it is young receivers dropping balls um, and uh, just lack of execution on their end. Bad but, route running. Yeah, bad route running. But I think by the time you when you got down the stretch, it was honestly just Jake making bad mistakes. I mean, the, the Texas A&M game, I think, exemplified that. He had at least three sure touchdowns and then he overthrew the receiver or even underthrew the receiver but i think i mean you talked about it we talked about it earlier like just newman coming in that's his his strength is the deep ball down the middle of the field and the fact that he can run the ball as well so it's just it's just filling in the cracks of the foundation of the georgia offense and i think it's really going to take pressure off of the elite defense that georgia has and so I look I look forward to this season coming in definitely. So do you think if Jake Fromm would have stayed, James Coley would have stayed too? Uh I'm I'm not sure about that. Uh I'd have to kind of look at the go back and look at the timeline to see which one happened first, but I think it's just Kirby's showing his willingness to do whatever it takes to bring Georgia a national championship and uh I think He's seeing, like I said, he's seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. This is the opportunity. Richard LeCount's coming back on the defensive end. There's a ton of returning starters on defense, along with just the insane amount of depth that they had and doing, I guess, like full-on platoon swaps on that side of the ball. But I, the biggest thing to me is also uh, bringing in other grad transfers bringing in uh, the number one recruiting class as well. It's just George's Kirby's got the foundation in and he's just continually built on that. This upcoming season, uh, Kirby's first recruiting class, those guys are going to be seniors coming into the 2020 season. So we come into this next year, there's every last bit of the Mark Richt era in Athens is gone and it's all going to be on Kirby's shoulders and I think this is really the year he wants to be successful and wants to win that national title and and I want to say this too uh, just going back to recruiting is you know a lot of people didn't were fearful that James about James Coy leaving I mean they're glad he's not the offensive coordinator but some people were fearful of him leaving just because of how well he recruited the South Florida area and one thing that I want to say is, you know, Kirby is an elite recruiter and Kirby wants somebody. He's going to go out and get him. And Georgia's still going to bring in top top three recruiting classes as long as Kirby is there. Yeah, that's even even like coaching staff wise, Kirby's shown the ability to recruit. I mean, Sam Pittman left to take the job at Arkansas, which I mean, to say a daily prayer for him at this point with the amount of incompetency in their program. But after Sam Pittman's departure, it was just a seamless transition into bringing in Matt Luke to become the new offensive line coach. And I think uh, that's going to, it's going to, we're going to see a little bit of change in the type of guys we recruit, but I still think it's going to be successful in the end. I mean, some of it's just adapting to how the game of football is played now. You're going you're gonna to have smaller, a little bit smaller guys, but they're going to be faster because the game's just built around passing, the passing game and speed. 
now. And uh, the big, uh, I think the most underrated move that's happened for Georgia over the past few weeks is probably bringing in Trey McKitty out of Florida State. Uh, they do have Darnell Washington coming in as, as he was a big part of Georgia becoming the number one recruiting class, but it's still a true freshman coming into play college football in the SEC, and you want some guys with experience at the Division One level to come in, and I think McKitty really brings that. His numbers aren't that uh, exciting during his time at Florida State, but that also comes with the sheer amount of incompetency shown in Florida State's uh, coaching staff, as well as the fact that he's never had any consistency at quarterback while he was there. James Blackman, DeAndre Francois, and Alex Hornibrook all played quarterback at some point during his time in Tallahassee, and I think having the depth that Georgia has is going to make him really take his game to the next level. And uh, Jason, uh, what's uh, the under-the-radar move for you coming into this season that Georgia was able to make? I don't know if it's really under the radar, but it, it happened so quick after after the SEC championship that I feel like with all that's happened since then, it's not talked about enough and that's the addition of Matt Luke. I think like you said, the addition or his experience coaching head coach in the SEC, taking guys like Laramie Laramie Tunsil, he was the offensive line coach at the time Laramie Tunsil was there. So he's taking guys to the NFL and he's also a good recruiter. I think that Kirby, no matter or a lot of his guys on staff are young hungry recruiters and you know Matt Matt Luke is a hungry recruiter too and you know I think that um, another thing is you're going to see a different offensive line I I think with Sam Pittman it was about you know we're gonna be the biggest offensive line and we're just gonna you know attack you and we're gonna overwhelm you with our size and our strength and think with Matt Luke you're gonna see a little bit leaner guys and they're going to be a little bit faster too yeah it's just everything's looking up for the georgia football program uh now we're going to shift topics over to uh we're going to talk about the atlanta hawks uh for the next part of this podcast but before we do uh here's a quick word from our sponsor anchor ready all right uh, we're back here in, on the Hopeless Sports Make Deep podcast. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be our next topic. Uh, I mean, it's not really looked great for the Hawks throughout the whole uh, first part of this season. They sit at 13 and 36, uh, tied for last in the Eastern Conference. But over the past week or so, I've been able to sit down and really watch some games all the way through. And I've actually think there's going to be some bright spots that's going to that are going to kind of pop up. Uh, later in the year obviously the biggest thing is uh, Trey Young being a starter for the Eastern Conference representing the Eastern Conference uh, averaging 29.4 points a game on 9.2 assists a game so he's nearly averaging a 30 point double double coming into the all-star break and uh, John Collins has been pretty solid since his return I think that really put a damper on the first half of the season was the suspension for performance enhancing against John Collins. Uh, but I really liked what I've seen from 
a lot of the rookies over the past couple of weeks, especially against, I mean, they played, they just played Philly a couple of nights ago and they played Toronto before that. So those are two, probably the two best teams in the Eastern conference, two out of three, at least if you include Milwaukee. Uh, but they really, they didn't beat Toronto, but they, I love what I saw late in the game with that push to fight back and make it a close game. And then, of course, they beat Philly. Granted, Philly is not that great of a team on the road, but it's still a team with a 31-17 and 17 record. And playoffs. Yeah, they're still going to probably make a deep run in the playoffs. But, uh, Chase, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the Hawks season so far? Um, obviously, I did not... I had I thought that the Hawks would really compete for at least an eighth seed in that Eastern Conference. I don't think it's that hard because the eighth seed, I don't know who it is off the top of my head right now, but has a losing record. So I really thought that the Hawks could compete for that. I think that John Collins' loss was a lot bigger than I had anticipated. And I, I'm, I've liked what I've seen a little bit more recently, but it, at the same time, it just feels like there hasn't really been a step forward. I mean, looking at the stats from this year, I mean, it's the Hawks had or last year averaged 118 points, 119 points given up uh, per game, which was good for last in the NBA. And they've improved to a solid 118 points per game given up for 29th in the league. Last year, they were 10th in the league in points per game. I want to say it was, I don't know, like 109. And, you know, I Trey just can't keep doing it on his own. And I think the past few games, you've seen improvements from Cam. You've seen improvements from uh, Kevin Herter. And I, I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think he was... A really good pickup for the Hawks, really good draft pick this year. And, you know, I think the future is bright. And I think, but at the same time, you know, it's just like we've talked about, like we compare them to the 2017 Braves who just needed to learn how to win. And I think this team still is learning how to win. And obviously they're not there yet. I don't know when they will be there, but, um, Definitely need to improve that bench. The bench is pretty terrible. But yeah, I mean the 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 loss of John Collins, like you said, that really just took the wind out of the sails, and they just had some horrible double-digit losing streaks during his uh, absence. And I think that just showed even more the fact that they they need a a center inside. I mean, Alex Lynn's the leading rebounder for this team and he's averaging 5.8 rebounds a game and that's just sad. They I mean, there's obviously been the trade talks with Andre Drummond uh and just to kind of put that defensive anchor on the inside for the team and just to allow them to get rebounds in the post. I mean, Granted, they play an up-tempo style, and they shoot a lot of threes, so you're going to give up points just in transition a good bit when you play like that, and then you're going to score a lot. Uh, I mean, even with the horrible record they had last year, like you said, they were up there with in points per game. Uh, I think the, big, the biggest frustration at this point has honestly been with a lot of the fan base. 
I mean, people fail to realize that Luca's really shifted the perception of what rookies are supposed to be. I mean, guys come in and they expect, like, people were expecting Reddish and Hunter to come in and just take over. And, I mean, it's rookies aren't going to do that. Luca, I think, has only done that just because of his unique playing style and the fact that he's Luca's been playing professionally since he was 15. Granted, he's been playing in the Euro League and hasn't really been at the NBA level of competition, but he's still playing professionally, learning how, already knows how to handle media, already knows what playing, what the professional lifestyle is for a basketball player. And I think it's he, it's a lot easier for him to adjust uh, after he got drafted. And then, I mean, even Trey, Trey didn't take off until the second half last season. Now, am I saying that guys are going to take off in the second half? No, but I mean, like we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, we've already seen some improvements. Cam's really upped his uh, scoring pretty recently. He's his shots looking a lot more confident as well. And I think there's just guys are going to take the next step coming into the second half. And I'd really, I really want them to play at, at least 500 basketball coming into the second half. That's, that's really my, uh, the biggest thing on my wish list for the Hawks coming into the all-star break. Cause I want them to play 500 basketball in the second half. And I mean, they talk about the, uh, the media has talked about the, the trade talks with Drummond, even though, I mean, his contracts up at the end of the year, you could sign him, uh, give him a max contract. That's the biggest, the biggest upside so far is definitely the opportunity to sign two max players with the cap space. that's going to open up with, uh, the guys like uh, Evan Turner and Chandler Parsons and other veterans leaving. And I think that's just the, the biggest thing is it's like, the, like you said, like the 2017 Braves, it's your ultimate, ultimately you got to look towards the future and you got to look at how the team is going to look three or four years from now. And uh, Chase, so what are your uh, thoughts and your expectations coming into the all-star break here? Uh I, I one thing I want to say is, you know, I think, you know, you're mentioning trade talks with Drummond and guys like that. I think that, you know, Trey Young is like it's finally a big name getting some national buzz from the Atlanta Hawks. And you've not real we've not really had that. I don't you know, Dwight Howard when he was here was, you know, past his prime with the magic and with Trey Young, you know, having a guy like that is going to make Atlanta more attractive. Atlanta has become is grown as a city, and I think that this ownership and you know the GM, it, it's different than it has been in the past. And you know, I think they know what they're doing. I think they're willing to put in the work, put in the money to give Trey a supporting cast because Lord knows he needs it. And he's, he's averaging 29 games point or 29 points per game himself. And I I think that the only, it's only up from here and it's a young team right now with the young first time head coach and Lloyd Pierce. And um, it's only going to get better. And, Cam's only 20. DeAndre Hunter is in his rookie year. Um, but 
don't like give, you, don't give up on this team. Don't yeah. don't hate on this team for not showing up. I mean, they've had they've looked horrible in some games, but that's what you expect from a young team. But at the same time, they've stayed in it with some with some really good teams. They've had some good wins over some good teams, and you know it, it's like you know we can't say it enough. They they just need to learn how to close out some of these games. They just need to take continue to take steps forward. And I don't think that 500 is having a 500 record in the second half of the season is too ridiculous of a prediction. Yeah, they're 5-5 five and five out of their last 10. And, I mean, you look at the, the other teams that are near them in the standings, the Cavs with the same record, 1-9 and nine in their last 10, the Knicks 3-7, and seven, the Hornets 1-9, and 3-7 and seven for the Pistons, all the way up to, I mean, it, you go, you got to go up to the 9 seed to find another team that's played at least 500 basketball in the last 10 games. And that's with them playing a lot of tough opponents and i mean philly at home at toronto in toronto uh, which they made that game a lot closer than it should have been toronto is obviously just a championship caliber team hasn't really missed a beat since Kawhi's departure to the clippers but it's as the year goes on we've seen improvement from guys i mean i they the record was really hurt by the departure of John Collins, but I think that is going to help the team in the future because it's going to give those young guys, those first and second year guys experience and what it's like to carry the load for a team when they're the key guys. Cause I think that's the ultimate wish list. The ultimate future for this team is that Dre and cam and Trey are all the three are the three key guys coming in and uh, I like the signing that Schlink did with bringing in Jeff Teague and uh, I believe some other role player I can't remember his name off the top of my head but Trey wanted needed another backup uh, point guard behind him just to take some of the workload off and keep him from having I guess a shortened career just from the minutes piling up and Schlink was able to listen to him and bring in Jeff Teague, who's already got experience in Atlanta, and I think that's really going to pay dividends in the second half. And like you said, Trey being a starter, getting the exposure in the national media is going to only help uh, free agents coming into next season when they bring in, uh, when they have the capability of bringing in two max players. And granted, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm an extreme optimist, but I still like what I've seen. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of the fan base, we got ahead of me included. I take responsibility in this. Like we got ahead of ourselves expecting them to be an eight seed or even a seven seed. And I think Travis Schlink was all along his thought process was he wanted to tank another year and wait until we had the cap space to bring in another max player before we really started making the push to, make improvements in the record department and given the front office that this team has with guys like grant hill and with travis slink they they clearly know what they're doing and it's just going to take some patience i mean philly's rebuild took almost a decade to really come together and now they're a 
team that's competing at the top of the Eastern Conference. And I understand that, I mean, some of this is the frustration with an Atlanta team not having a championship since 95, but it, we we got to rally behind this team. We got to rally behind this front office if we want to see this team really be successful in the second half and for the years to come. And I think that if we're behind them, then that's when this team is really going to show their capabilities is really going to be what they want them to be. And uh, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, Thanks for listening. Before we go, though, we'd like to, again, reiterate uh, what we said from the beginning of the show to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hopeless Sports Mantic and to uh, go and listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.